This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MQ on Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. We're back. It's been a few weeks. Obviously, we took a little took a little break for Christmas and New Year. I hope everyone enjoyed their Christmas and New Year, first of all. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was for us, it was um we didn't we didn't want plenty of episodes out. We could we couldn't really react to kids properly. Um, and you know, it thought it'd be a good time to come back now. So you got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh three games, two game previews, and um a transfer in the episode, which we got later in the week also. See, so yeah, lots to talk about. Um, Ross, how you doing? Um, I'm very tired after last night's uh, thriller against Charlton. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm doing very well, thanks, mate. Uh, good to hear. Yeah, yesterday yesterday was an experience. It, it was cold, um, and yeah, we didn't we didn't really play very well. Um, but Joe, you you're also at Charlton last night, so I'm sure you're as tired as Ross. But uh, how you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I was able to have a little bit of a nap in, in the car on the way back. But yeah, no, I'm uh, ready to dust off the cobwebs and uh, get stuck in. Today yeah, uh, I heard about your little nap from uh, Ross. It sounded, uh, sounded like a nice little trip back for you. <laughs> well, yeah, for one of us, maybe. Comfortable, <laughs> hey? Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, um, yeah, lots to talk about tonight. But before we do that, um, I just want to pass on our condolences um to the family of rex burton um former disability officer um at the dsa uh, obviously passed away recently a uh, very sad story and yeah passing our condolences you know we don't know him personally um when he was was with us but you yeah, know we know all the stories that some of listeners have shared with us about him so yeah it, it was sad here seeing that today and um yeah hopefully we wish his family all the best and um okay boys let's start off the positives Linking away, uh, unfortunately, I watched this one through my phone. Um, but I think after the first eight minutes, I was dreading it to be honest. 
Um, obviously, the first goal was a bit of a fortunate finish from Waza. Um, probably the, the wrong place at the wrong time. And the second goal, from what I remember, Dan Harvey just kind of tried to do a Lewin to then see the penalty. Um, so yeah, so two minutes down after eight minutes wasn't the best start. Um, but I think I think for once, I mean, usually in, in the second half, we actually retaliated really well. And probably our best, the comeback of the season, definitely, and the best performance I've seen in the second half this year. Um, I mean, of course, you know, Twiney, whether you call it luck or not, had a brilliant finish, make it 3-2 in the end. I was going ballistic in the car, that's for sure, on the way back. Um, Joe, obviously you were at Sinsel Bank on the day, on Boxing Day. How did you find it? Um, well, I think it took a couple of years off my life because by the end, my blood <laughs> pressure was going through the absolute roof. Um, yeah, as you say, but those first, you know, it wasn't even the first 10 minutes. It was probably the first 15 or 20 because there was a few other moments after the two goals where you were thinking this, they could, they could get four or five here easily. And it wasn't necessarily that they were doing anything amazing. We were just like, we still looked just drunk from Christmas still, to put it bluntly. And it was, you know, there was just, I think Darlin especially, you know, I know he wasn't necessarily directly involved in one of the, um, the first two goals for for um, Lincoln, but he, he, he had his part to play, trust me. He, is some of his passing was just all over the shop. And um, yeah, I think with, with our horror, it was unlucky. He just tried, he just didn't get, he's running backwards and his feet just got in a tangle. And with Harvey, it's, you know, obviously we all know what he's tried to do. He's tried to pick up the ball and force the referee to give us a free kick. But the referee's like, well, no, it wasn't a free kick and you've just handballed it in your own box. So, um, but no, Lincoln deservedly to 2-0 up. Um, but you know, from about half an hour onwards, um, so we did we did manage to get a grip around half an hour. Just started playing it around a little bit, and you know, it, it was you know looking better. The second half, we came out, and I, I liken it to the the Portsmouth home game, and we just absolutely ran them ragged. We forced mistakes. Um, and you can see that the goals, you know, that none of the goals we scored were particularly, you know, really neat free-flowing football. But we were getting, we were actually getting onto the end of the second balls. We were actually competing, and we were actually, you know, having a go. And we just were not doing that first half. And you know, Lincoln didn't even necessarily start playing badly in the second half because they had their chances. They had a few um, breakaways where they were dangerous, and balls were flashed across the box. That second half was almost how I expected the first half to go in, in the way that, you know, we were we were going at them, we were winning the ball back up high up the pitch, but they were also having chances on the counter-attack. So, you know, but it, yeah, just how it all unfolded with uh, our three goals. Yeah, brilliant. You could, you know, you couldn't, well, you could write it. It is fairy tale stuff, but um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I I think a draw probably would be fair because, like I say, Lincoln did have quite a few chances themselves, especially in the second half on on counter-attacks. But at the end of the day, we scored more and more than they did. So we got the three points. Yeah, we saw you got papped a few times as well, Joe, on the uh, on the old, from the body of uh, club photographers. So, you know, a bit pressed for you there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, goodness, yeah. yeah, you can't miss <laughs> me in my yellow coat. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, Ross, I mean, we, we both weren't at the game. I mean, I watched it through my phone, so I have a bit of knowledge on it. But 
from from my perspective of it all, it it felt like the high the high sort of quality talent we do have in the squad kind of just pulled us through the second half. Obviously, you got time of the two goals. I thought. Matty O'Reilly obviously got a goal, got a goal himself, but he's very influential throughout the whole second half. And, you know, even players like Josh McEachern was pretty influential in that midfield. You know, more so for Twine and O'Reilly, you know, we'll talk about them on, on Friday's episode, but, you know, as no surprise they're getting a lot of attention, no surprise they're sort of dragging us through games, we really should be winning. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I feel, um, especially against Lincoln, um, it showed a bit of resilience within the within the team, and I think with young teams, you can always question whether uh, they've got that desire um, when they do go to two nil down and heads drop. But no, that wasn't the case in this situation. They uh, Manning said what he needed to at half time, and he got the response at the end of the day. And yeah, we can say that Chris Maguire missed a few chances, but if you don't put your chances away, you don't win games at the end of the day. And we took all three of them in the second half. Yes, we had a bit of luck, but every team gets luck on their day. And it's just unfortunate because of obviously nil-nil against Jules and then me and you, Liam, we went to Cambridge, saw another nil-nil. It's like the goals have dried out as such. Um, so I was gutted to miss it, but um, I'm, I'm obviously glad to uh, see us getting three points um, whilst at my uh, family Christmas meal. Um, but overall... In hindsight, if we look at it as a group of games, it's probably a game where we uh, see we should be winning quite comfortably in my eyes. Yeah, it, I say, well, we've seen a few for this. Then we see Charleston on Tuesday night. It, yeah, so we've, see, if we've seen three games. We've seen what's it like, ridiculous amount of minutes. Only saw one goal. So, yeah, quite impressive that considering the teams we're watching. Um, Joe, I mean, obviously, you know, being at the ground on, on Boxing Day, was it? Do you feel that first goal just sprung the momentum a bit in our favour a bit more? Because I know obviously going two down after like what the first ten minutes or so, it's it's very hard to come back from. I, I don't know if obviously Troy Parrott came on immediately after that first goal from Twiney. I don't know how much influence you felt Parrott had in the game on Boxing Day. Yeah, I think um, like I said before, we were starting to get the control back after about half an hour. But after after they came out of the second half, you I think you could tell Manning had absolutely shoved a rocket at them because the the press was just relentless and like we were, the difference was we were winning second balls we were win, people were winning their individual battles which just was not happening we were second to everything in the first half, in the set yeah in the first half and I think the, for me the best player on the pitch in the second half was Josh McEachern because. He was he was sweet he was sweeping everything up. He was winning all the second balls. But the most important thing that he was doing was he was getting it fast and getting it fast quickly. So he was putting them on the back Lincoln on the back foot straight away. So yeah, I mean, I think the 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 quality shone through in the end, but you know, Lincoln have got a very good team when you look at it. You know, the likes of Conor McGrandles in midfield, uh, Liam Bridcup, and then up front they got uh, on the wings, they got Lewis Fruit Fiorini, who's on loan from Man City, and uh, Adelukan, who I believe he's been at Bristol City before, and, and maybe even Rotherham. So he's you know plenty of Championship games. So and Chris Maguire up top as a false nine, not his usual position, but again, you know bags and bags of goals at this level. So then it's not a team that you look at and go, oh right, they're they're in relegation battle, are they? Because 
you know, it, it, I, 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 I saw they obviously that they're in a relegation battle. But when you look at that first level, you you kind of think, well, well, how how is that the case? And um, yeah, I think um, in in the end, it was just yeah, okay, we were we were able to use our quality, but I think if anything, it was we actually looked tasked in the second half, where in the first half we were just sleepwalking towards that that two 0 defeat. I think. Yeah, you're completely right about that. Um, that link is aside, and of course, they just signed Michael Wickersett from Swansea, who's another really talented youngster who's going to start straight slot straight to that team, and you know, only enhance it even more. Um, I know, I know Manning when he well posted Gillingham match, and we'll transition into that now. He said he wanted a reaction from that linking performance in terms of the first half of the Gillingham game, and we got it, but. The second half and the Gillian game, obviously no no result there. Just nothing, there's nothing there. And I think for me, obviously me, me and Ross were in the, in the ground on New Year's Day. It just felt like a preseason game. It genuinely did. Like I think the the intensity from the team in the second half, it just it just felt the drained of energy. Uh, unfortunately, the atmosphere on the day. I know this has been mentioned a lot. Um, post game was 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 pretty poor, and I, it's it's really hard to say that because I think throughout the whole season the fans have been excellent, and this includes you know us, ourselves also. I think playing on New Year's Day at home, everyone's kind of a bit you know a bit hungover things like that, and they're not really want to hear the drum being banged from block eleven. But yeah, it, it was um unfortunately it wasn't the best atmosphere on the day, and you know I think you could tell that the players kind of needed us on that day, and. Uh, yeah, fortunately, that didn't really drive them too far. Obviously, Gillingham, that was their first game, I think, since the 11th of December. So, you you, know, you could tell they were going to be sluggish and they were, they were pretty poor the first half, to be honest. They weren't really pressing us. And that resulted in a lot of chances for players like Mo. I think Twiney had a pretty good chance in the first half. Definitely should have scored. Um, and in the second half, it just felt like, as I said, you know, we kind of just drained all our energy and trying to get a goal early on. And then Gillingham got the high horse up a bit in the second half, pressed us a bit more, wanted the result a bit more. They could have got it, to be fair. Um, they weren't amazing, but they had their chances. And um, yeah, it was a pretty it's pretty dismal nil-nil result, to which we really should have got three points. I mean, Ross, you had a different view of the game from me, from where you were sitting. Uh, how did you find it overall? Uh, it was dull. It, I, I've got no more words to say about it. Um, it's, it was awful, I felt. The intensity, as you said, Liam, it was. It just there was no intensity about our play. We weren't mo- moving the ball quick enough. And Jules, fair play to them. They they set up. Um, Steve Evans knew it was going to be a tough uh, ask to get anything from Stadium MK, um, especially with how uh, free scoring we were prior to this game. And um, he'd done the job. And um, as much as I uh, dislike Steve Evans, you've got to give him some credit for that. And um, yeah, it it. I think in the first half, um, you could see that the goal was coming. I think I believe it was Mo had one off the line, and then second half, as you say, Liam, the energy was just zapped out of out of us. And um, Matt O'Reilly and Twine that they, they they were they were asking for runs, and there was no movement at top. I'm not sure what it was. Troy was trying to come deep, and then Mo Mo was up isolated up top on his own and. With Moa, I personally feel Mo has to have someone alongside him to get the foot or 100% out of him. And then um, when we did spread it wide, Harvey, he frustrated me so much against Julian. He just nev- never tried to beat his man. And 
with wing backs, you've got to, you've got to be brave and take on that one on one because of if you, yeah, it's a high risk, high reward scenario. But if he beats his man, having Mo and Troy Parrott in the box, you you back him at the end of the day. And um, yeah, we didn't get the ball, we didn't we didn't get the ball into the box nowhere near as much as what we should. And I think that reflects in the stats as well. We had the control, like Manning says, and yes. After the game, he said, you, "You need to look at the positives." I, I don't. I don't personally feel there's a lot of positives out of the game. Um, part of the clean sheet. Yeah, we can look at the clean sheet, but I don't think Gillian really offered go anything going forward. I think it was. Um, I think Burton had the. I think we played Burton. Um, I believe we beat him one nil or two nil. Um, and Hasselbank had the exact same um, scenario, and he wanted to camp eleven men behind the ball and get a point, and. Um, yeah, it was sluggish. Um, it certainly wasn't a great start to the new year, for sure. Yeah, I, I do a bit. But I heard Manning say, you know, we shouldn't react emotionally to this result. We should take positive. I, I think it annoyed me even more. Um, I was I was furious with that performance, to be honest with you. I was not happy at all. I think it was definitely our worst performance of the season. Um, I think that goes in question in terms of how we played. Um, and you, you raised some interesting points there, which we'll get on to uh, in just a moment. But... I sort of gathered Joe's thoughts on it because Joe, you were at the game on New Year's Day, but I'm sure you've watched it back since. How did you? What was your assessment of it all? Yeah, I think it's you know I I, I do kind of see where both you guys are coming from, but I think you know it, it's football's a game of high margins, and sometimes you don't necessarily get what you deserve. And although it was pretty turgid affair, you know, so is the game against Burton, but we just got that one goal that just, just clinched us and just got us, let, you know, it just crawled us over the line. And I think looking at the stats, I think we had it was 17 shots to six. Um, and XG-wise, it was like 1.5 to 0.4 or something like that. So, we, you know, we conceded barely any chances. And, you know, the, the accumulation of the chances we did have means that, you know, in most cases, we would have scored at least one goal. So I think there's a case of bad luck, finishing just not quite being there. And, you know, I think as well with Gillingham, they had quite a few. I've got a friend who's a Gillingham fan who was saying that they had quite a few players just come back as well. Because I remember I saw him earlier in the week and he said he wouldn't be expecting Oliver to start. And obviously he's their talisman, you know. And we've seen what they did last season. They were pretty much mid-table. They may have even finished above us last season. So they're not all of a sudden just a bunch of mugs, but they have really struggled with injuries this season. I think I think Danny Sittol's been um, been filling in for, for Gillingham. Um, you know, so they had Sittol on the pitch and an arsehole in the dugout. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> and, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you know, it, we, we didn't lose it and it might not have been a thriller. And it might have just made everyone's hangover 10 times worse. But, you know, I think it's one of them you just kind of shrug off because ultimately on paper, we did do, looks like, to me, from the outside, it looked like we did enough to maybe have at least scored one goal. Any thoughts on that, Ross? Uh, I completely disagree with you, Jeff. <laughs> the numbers I don't lie, Ross. The numbers don't lie, but um, the intensity in the final third, we didn't deserve to score in that second half. And Liam can vouch for me there. Yeah, we, we were pretty busy. We, we didn't deserve anything from that second half. 
And yes, XG, you can look at XG and shots on target, but you can have a shot on target for 40 yards and it'd be a shot on target and say, oh, that's part of the XG. That doesn't mean that it's a high chance. Um, no, no. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get in behind enough. Um, we didn't u- utilise the channels at all. Um, when we didn't use the width of the pitch. And that's how you break down deep teams. And um, I'm, and I know it's, it, you can contradict yourself by saying this, but um, in the, I don't feel like, in that, especially in that second half, you can look at the stats and say, we deserve to win or we didn't deserve to win. You literally had to be there and witness how poor we actually were with the ball. Um, and I think um, that... Um, what did Manning say after the um, Lincoln game? He said he wanted a response on, and he was interested by the response. And personally, I don't feel like he got that from the lads. I felt... Um, I feel like he got the response, but he didn't get it for 90 minutes. I mean, yeah, he got the response. Yeah. Go on, carry on. Just looking at it now, I like you say, Ross, 12 shots in the first half, but only one on target. And then second half, uh, there was five shots, only two on target. And only six crosses in the whole of the second half, um, ten, 10 in the whole game for us. So, yeah, I think, you know, I completely get what you're saying, but I'm just, I think it's more, you know, we didn't actually, we didn't necessarily have one chance that you look at and say, oh, we should have scored that. But if you're having 17 shots in the game, nine of which are in the box, you'd like to think that there'd be a good chance you'd m- maybe go, you know, with someone that's sh- uh, a mill, whatever you want to call it, is a bit, you know, bit better hopefully you know another day you, you know one of them goes in you know look at Lincoln the goals we scored there were a bit scrappy if you like but they just fell for us right yeah no first half we should have scored and I felt like the response that Manning wanted he got in that first half but the problem was we gave so much in that first half we then went to second half I had nothing and um I hate to pick on players but as Ross pointed out uh, Dan Harvey was um to say the least pretty poor um i've i'm i'm losing patience a bit with him um i think we're going to speak about him a bit more in our transfer um yes we are um yeah it's unfortunate because i think people a lot of people like dan harvey you know he's he he has a lot of passion yeah yeah he's very he's quite an aggressive player um in terms of the way he plays but uh, it it just felt like he made every decision wrong and I think the second, especially, you know, when the team kind of needed someone to step up, he'd he'd get the ball a lot of the time from the likes of Darling, the likes of Twine, because Twine likes to come from his wing. And every time made the wrong decision. And it was it was honestly the most frustrating thing to watch. Um, and I'd, I'd, Ross, I don't know, obviously you've said that, you know, you, you kind of lost your head a bit with Dan also. Um, yeah, anything to add on that? Um, it just needs to be a bit more braver um, with the ball. And I think we saw it, especially, um, I'm not sure if you remember the first, I think it was actually in lockdown against Peterborough. Um, he was taking his man, he was whipping the ball in the box and it was, it was quality that day. And then I think, I'm not sure whether he's, I wouldn't like to say it's complacent, but is it because he's not being pushed like everyone else? I know O'Hora, his performances recently have stepped up with obviously Baldwin um, challenging, especially that like Wednesday, um, Wednesday, um, and then you've got players in other positions like what tonight Watson. I felt last night played really well, and um, 
he he should be pushing on the door with Kyoso now for a starting spot. I think you probably need someone to push you on. Um, I don't feel like Zach Jules is like that wing back to push um, Harvey on. So I know we're going to mention it later on, but I ju- I just feel maybe he's a bit too comfortable in his position. And um, as I say, he I I don't feel like his performances have been up there this season. I don't think we've properly seen a proper Dan Harvey. Yeah, it's there's something there. There's something in it, and obviously, um, I'll speak about more of, on on the transfer situation on Friday's episode, but. Yeah, there's something there definitely, and as you mentioned with the crosses, the crossing stats, even the deliveries aren't there anymore. And you know, if he's not going to run into the box, he needs to at least to put the ball in the box properly. And he can't; he's not doing that at the moment. So, yeah, it, it's a frustrating watch. And unfortunately, um, you know, we we saw we saw Brooke against one of the most talented wingers in the league, and Jonathan Lecco last night, and uh, he, he struggled a little bit, a little bit. Admittedly, maybe if he has if he had Lewington, then maybe he's a better. But yeah, he struggled against Lecco last night. But that's understandable, you know. It's a kid going against a player who's, you know, probably should be playing League One to be honest, especially not the Papa John's Trophy. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's understandable. Um, another note I made in terms of, I think I think the eleven that were actually picked, I would have picked that myself to be honest with you, and how they're actually utilised. But I think I think the the front three of Mo, Troy, and Twine just just didn't work. I don't I don't understand why. Um, I felt the first half when they actually, you know, playing all right, to be fair. Um, Troy and Mo were actually making decent runs. They're a bit more direct. They weren't, you know, doing all these stupid angles that were creating this wasted space that you can't really use because you're on like your strikers on the bloody edge of the box doing nothing. They're actually making direct runs and Twine can actually make a direct pass to them. Whereas in the second half, they were either running into each other or one of them was trying to do another role that they weren't meant to be doing and that was confusing the other striker. Um, and then that, then that, of course, would confuse O'Reilly and Rekekroon because they would have their specified roles. Um, yeah, it's it, it just creating like space, nothing up front. And so we need a presence up front, really, to do that. To because if we're going to go with one striker up front, I did really, really with the two in behind, we need someone there to you know be that presence, putting chances, creating, linking up play. Um, and yeah, I mean Manning, Manning hooked Mo off. I think it was the 60th minute. Was he right to do that? Who knows? Um, I think people have mixed opinions on that. Um, but ultimately, I, I just don't think that combination worked for us. And it, it's quite frustrating because it should work because we've seen it work before. Um, it didn't on Saturday or New Year's Day. You literally just took the words out of my mouth. I think it was Accrington at home um, before Mo got injured on his, um, his first spell. Um, him and Troy were up top and they, they were playing so well together and we were saying what a partnership this is going to be and then we look at against the Jill's performance and they just look, both of them look lost um, and I think with Troy's I, I was explaining this to uh, Liam prior to obviously recording I think Troy's a bit of a he reminds me of Harry Kane I think he's dropping way too deep and trying to carry the ball and Personally, I don't see Troy Troy Parrott work, works best at, in them positions. I think he needs to be in and around the box and um, doing one-twos with Mo um, because that's when, when Mo works best. So it suits everyone. If he's, isol- if he's isolated up top, that's when we're going to see the runs in behind and that's when people get frustrated. And yes, I know it's only a Papa John's trophy game, but last night was uh, evidence of it. Mo... 
yeah, he, he plays off the last man, so he's going to be offside every now and then. And our fans get frustrated with it. And yes, I, I know some people say I'm a, I'm a huge Mo backer, and I am. But at the end of the day, you've got to think he's making them runs. And if the officiating isn't right, what can he do? He, he was onside plenty of times last night. It was just the fact that the, the officials were shocking. And I think, yes, we can, we can say that it's this player's fault and this player's fault. But at the end of the day, we know what we need. And uh, I think we're in a perfect time of the year f- uh, for that. Yeah, obviously a lot of thoughts there, Joe. So apologies. It was me and Ross just ranted about Gillingham, to be honest. But um, what, what did you think from your perspective to the whole front three situation? Do you, obviously we know we know Troy Mo can work, but it just didn't work on that game against Gillingham, to be honest. Yeah, I think um, with um, with Mo and Troy, and you know we've seen them work really well together. And I think back to some of our best games of the season. I think back to Wickham at home and Accrington at home. And the difference for me was that they were they were working together. And we said this before about Mo. He just needs people in and around him because he's not going to take on 10 players and he's not going to, and he's not going to, you know, be beating six foot four centre backs in the air. That's not his game. No. But like Accrington, oh, who got the assist by the way, I believe it was Troy Parrott, get him the ball on the edge of the box and he will turn players and finish within three touches. That's what he does. You know, he is one of the best in the league at that. However, if you're wanting him to run the channels and try and hold the ball up and, you know, think and lump it up to him to run in behind and stuff like that, not going to work because that's not what he does. Um, and I think that w- one of the best things that, it was almost, you know, with Troy and Mo, and I think back to those Accrington and Wickham games, they were making so many runs and they were, you know, working really well together that it was opening up so much space in the midfield. Now, obviously, with Gillingham, it is a bit different because they literally just stick everyone behind the, 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 the goal, or in front of the goal, rather. And I think, you know, I think out of all out of our shots, nearly half of them were actually blocked. Uh, so I think that just goes to tell show you, you know. And look, let's be honest. Sometimes you can just come up against a very good defence, and it's not as if Gillingham. Are, well, Gillingham's keeper, for instance, Jamie Cumming, he's probably one of the top three keepers in the in the league easily uh, on loan from Chelsea. So you know, there's that as well. Um, I think, yeah, it's a weird one. Why this just doesn't seem to be working anymore. With Troy, I'm not even going to try and work out what he's doing, where he's at. You know, one you know, one week is the second coming of Christ. The next week, I'd rather have bloody Mackie and Gombo back. So, you, look, I'm lost with that one. Um, but it, it can work. And I just think we need to remember what Mo's good at and start getting back to that, getting back to that. Yeah, Joe, I mean, you mentioned about the lack of, consistency from Troy I think that's quite widespread to be honest and a bit like what you said earlier I can't really explain it there's no real reason for it maybe it's the all the COVID situation and players getting in and out of the squad not really been training but I've, Ross I don't know if you can put a fit put your finger on it but this lack of consistency seems to be frustrating not just us but a lot of the Dons fans to be honest 
it's a strange one. You can you could say it's this and that, but all teams have this period of the season where they struggle. And uh, Rotherham, Wigan, they'll all go through it, no matter whether you're a top side or not. Um, and it's just a matter of when you get out of that rut and the quicker you get out of it, the better it is for you on a whole from the season. But I think people just need to um, realise, yes, we're a couple of points off, uh, off, I believe it's Oxford or Plymouth. Um, and there's plenty of points to play for at the, between now and the re- uh, end of the season. And I think uh, we just need to get behind them and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about the points and obviously we've got a few games in hand, technically. Uh, we've got Cheltenham to play, of course, Burton to play in the league, so both need to be rearranged still. It's just a straight in the teams we're losing to or even dropping points to. Like, I'm pretty sure without checking, like, we've dropped, we've drew, we've drew against Fleetwood, we've drew against Gillingham, lost to Doncaster. I'm pretty sure we've lost another game, which was against a really terrible Shrewsbury. team. Yeah, there you go, Shrewsbury. So that's what eight points alone there against teams who are, you know, barrel, bottom of the barrel, basically, teams in the league. And if you get those eight points, it puts us, what, right in the thick of the automatic promotion play, uh, places. So it's not that's the most straight thing. We're not we're not losing to the good teams apart from Sunderland and Rotherham. We're losing to the bad teams, and that is the most annoying thing in the world to me. I don't feel the same, Joe. Yeah, I think just quickly on your consistency point, I, w- I was thinking about this the other week, and um, when we were in the directors' lounge, um, Pete Winkleman he said to us, you know, you got to bear with the team because they're young, and I and I I. I when he said that, I thought, oh, yeah, he's got... And you think of it, and I, I was thinking, who are our most consistent players this season who are, you know, good for a six or seven out of ten every week, you know? And for me, that's Louis, that's Josh McKeck from when he plays. And uh, and what do those two players have in common? Oh, right, yeah, they're both over the age of 28. It's And it's, it's no coincidence, because you think back to last season, who were two of our most consistent players? Andrew Sermon and Cameron Jerome. And last season, you might have had, you know, you had players like Ethan Laird, who would be the best player in the world for two or three games. And then you're like, who the hell is this kid? And how is how is he at Man United? You know, so you get these things with younger players. And I think a lot of it is, you know, I don't think we do miss experience at the moment. I think we do... Because I think there's a difference between Josh McEachran experience and an Andrew Sermon type of experience. You know, Andrew Sermon was, say, like seven years older than him. So I think um, having a, a cooling head or another couple of cooling heads around in and around the team could do, could do them all some good um, in terms of the consistency. Um, and yeah, it's very frustrating to drop these, te- these against these smaller teams. But I think at the same time, I think there's some games where we probably would have not been able to break through. And I'm trying to think back to a couple, um, but there's been a couple where we've, you know, for instance, that Burton game, I'm convinced that finishes nil-nil or we lose one nil last season. So I think we have made progress in some areas and with some against some low blocks, but, you know, I mean, I think Gillingham's last game they actually played, they went up to Hillsborough and you should have seen the comments from Sheffield Wednesday fans who were like, who do Gillingham even play the sport football? I think they put in one of their absolutely famous um, 
rear guard action displays, uh, if you want to call it that, in inverted commas. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we're the, the first team that's going to fall foul to, um, you know, to a team coming for one thing and one thing only, and that's one point. But at the same time, it would be uh, it would be great to be a bit more efficient against those teams as well. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, quickly on Charlton, obviously Tuesday night game, Papa John's. Uh, Ross, your your three word summary of that game, please. Uh, it's too foul. Sorry, I can't. I can't say <laughs> what I wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just poor. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um, yeah, it, it, it was really poor. It's actually quite funny, to be fair. Some some of the officiating was just hilarious. Uh, that that linesman. I don't know what what game he was watching, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, we mentioned about Brooks struggling. Um, obviously, he's against Jonathan Lecco, who's quite a talented footballer, and that's going to happen. He's a kid, he's, you know, he's not much experience. That's why he's playing those games. Um, Mo up front again, had nothing really. When he did, he was offside, so not much we could do really do there. Um, yeah, we're out of the cup. I mean, there's not much else to say, really. It was... I mean, at least you got in. You guys got in for a quid. Um, I saw that. Not too bad. A size, only a pound. Eh, Joe? Yeah. Thank you to the lovely lady at the uh, Charlton away ticket office. Um, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's a few positive. I mean, second half we played really like. Let's be honest, as well, boys. We we should have won that because we Charlton did absolutely square root and naffle in that game, and we played some nice football at times, which was you know good to see. Um, I think Brooke looks good in spells, but, you know, he's, what, 18, 17, 18, 19, something like that. And you can tell, you know, I think he's still got, I know it's a very um, easy thing to say, but, you know, he's still a kid. He's still got some bulking out to do. And I thought Zach Jules, actually, just to give a couple of people some credit and a bit of a shout out, I thought Zach Jules defended incredibly well against Jonathan Lecco. He, not many times he beat him, if at all. Um, you know, Warren and Harry, they were pretty good. Um, Franco pretty much dealt with everything that came to him um, and I thought Mo was making the runs and you know there was a time where there was a, like a couple of balls where it was just it was just an inch or two the other side and he and it was you know it was in and our best chance probably came from uh, a really good shot from Mo that then got sat parried and um, you know Mo picked up on the edge of the box takes one touch cuts in great shot and just got saved uh, and then it caused a bit of chaos in their box so yeah, again, you know, we're not far off, um, but it just just not quite there. And then their goal, oh, it was just, I mean, oh, yeah. I I, I was saying to, to you two, in the 504 games I've been in in my life, I don't think I've ever, I've never seen a penalty shootout. And, well, you I still haven't. haven't. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, there we go. That would have been um, mine and Ross's third nil nil in a row as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, well, unfortunately. Silver lining, both... Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that goal, I don't think Brooke could have much that situation. And then that, that left Darling in an even more awkward situation. So, yeah, uh, out of the cup, I, I, honestly, I wish I cared a bit more, to be honest. It's, it's a straight in loss, but yeah, you saw some okay performances. Um, but yeah, it's good we can just crack on with the league now and uh, hopefully get back to some form and hopefully, to, quite frankly, just play some games because uh, I think the team hasn't really played a spell of games that much recently, which has been obviously out of our control. But 
you know, it's it'd be good to get back to actually going to games week by week by week basis. Okay, so that's three game reviews done. Now on to two game previews after a short little break. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, um, it's going to be quite a few busy weeks for Dons. Obviously, there's a few rescheduled games need to be sorted out, and uh, two games this episode to preview. Of course, the first of them being Accrington away, heading off to the Wham. Um, it's looking like it's going to be some pretty awful conditions, to be honest. Uh, rain's rain predicted all days, uh, so that's going to be excellent. Um, all three of us are off to it as well, so yeah, it's been a nice little journey. Um, okay, Accrington, a bit of background on them for you. Tenth in League One currently, uh, five points behind us um, on thirty-four points. Therefore, um, when we look at the home form, they're actually eighth in the league on. We look at the home league table, so they're actually a pretty decent home side. Uh, won seven this season, drew one and lost the four games. Of course, the last time we played them, a 2 0 win for us. Lovely little finish from Mawaisa. We do that again Saturday, that's for sure. And uh, Matty O'Reilly sealed the deal um, in that game. Uh, it, was, it was a weird game because Accrington kind of just, you know, tr- sort of played a traditional like Gillingham style, to be honest. Kind of just sat back and let us play football. But I think that early goal from Mo really helped us out there. And uh, kind of broke them down a bit more. And of course, we created a few chances after that, which led to our second goal. Um, I think in terms of in terms of changes from the Atkins team that we've, we saw from that first game, I think the biggest one is the sale of, of Dion Charles to Bolton. Now, it wasn't necessarily because he's played a lot this season. Uh, he caused he played against us and he probably should have scored against us, to be fair, that little chip shot, uh, which um, Fish did well to put him off, to be honest. But, you know, here him and Colby Bishop, who's still at the club now, you know, they're both... They're, they're kind of like the dynamic duo at front last season. Of course, Dion Charles got the praise for all his goals. And um, Cole Bishop's kind of been that player who's taken that this season. I believe he's top goal scorer and um, our second or third in assists. So his goal contributions to through the roof. And he is basically, well, in terms of attacking output, carrying his active team um, you know, to where they are in the league. And his, you know, his, his XG numbers and things like that in terms of players throughout League One kind of show that. Um but, you know, Accrington, despite some changes, they're still direct as ever. Um, their direct speed in terms of where they get the ball from defence to attack is still one of the highest in the league. So you know, that suggests that they're still, you know, pumping the ball up long to players like Bishop and their wing-backs who, you know, are going to be attacking as they were before. Um, they press it more than they used to. So I think, especially them being at home this time, we're going to see an Accrington team who won't sit back as much. They'll take they'll take comfort from the conditions. They'll take comfort from being at the home stadium this time. And um that's say to say be a tougher game than we've played at our place. Um in terms of centre backs also they've still got Sykes and I know a player who we've admired quite a lot on this podcast, Michael Nottingham. Um no in terms of like them actually playing out from the back. Um they're they're two of the highest in the league in terms of where they do that. So they do it's going to be a lot of line, a lot of Mo and Troy if they both do play again to, you know, press Sykes and Nottingham to make mistakes and ultimately create opportunities for them. Because if if they do what they do traditionally, it's just going to be giving it to Nottingham or Sykes, pumping it up long to Bishop and hoping for the best. Um, so yeah, it's going to rely a lot on those two guys up front to really help us out from there. Um, and yeah, as I said, you know, weather's going to be pretty poor, meant to be raining 
all pre-match and then during as well. So unfortunately, if we're in the terraces, we're getting absolutely soaked. I'm assuming a lot of people will be moving to the seats, that's for sure. Um, I will for sure. Yes, yeah. Uh, but hopefully it'll be a decent performance. Um, I'll carry on. Yeah, go ahead. I've got I've got some general, um, just some like bits and pieces, little a few numbers on Accrington I've, I've been uh, finding out. Um, they've got a few, I'm not too sure on, on uh, Ross's key players, so I won't go too much into them, but they've got one of the best creators in the league in Sean McConville. And also, um, you know, we do know how they like to play in terms of, um, in terms of uh, like, you know, lumping it up forward. But the thing is they do, they will press you as well. And Colby Bishop's actually won um, the ball uh, in the final third, one possession in the final third more than anyone else in the league. So, it, you know, they will set off you, but they do have people there that can press. And so Colby Bishop putting in the work, not just uh, going forward, but also also defensively trying to win the ball back. And um, I think with this Accrington team, yeah, they're going to get in our face. They're going to um, really try and make it difficult for us. And, um, you know, they are a good team at home, but it's a weird one with Accrington because sometimes this season I've looked at their results and thought, oh, God, they're, they're picking up a bit now. And then I've seen, and then I think I've seen them lose five 0 I think they lost four 0 at home to Wigan. So I think they can really can go one of uh, one of two ways. Yeah, most definitely. And um, Ross, obviously, you mentioned quite a few players. Do you got anyone to highlight that we haven't mentioned? Maybe. Uh, no, I haven't. I just oh, well, you mentioned about um, obviously they're a one man band, and I, I to a degree I um, agree with that. But Accrington, they don't score a lot of goals. Um, I was just looking at um, there's. 15 other teams in the league which have scored equal or more goals than them. So it just goes to show that they're not as prolific as what we think they are in front of goal. But as you say, Liam, they've got the quality in Colby Bishop. Obviously, he's got nine goal contributions this season. If you compare that to ours, I believe Twine O'Reilly and um, I think Kioso might be even close to him as well um, on nine uh, goals and assists. Um, I I believe he's on like seven or so. Um, so, in terms of goals, they don't score a lot. So, um, I do believe the first goal will be crucial. And if we do get it, I could see us um, cruising to victory, hopefully. Um, but as Joe just mentioned, uh, McCoville, um, he's a he's a very good player. Um, he can pick out a pass. Um, and they, as as you say, they've got quality within their squad and quality which can hurt us at the end of the day. Yeah, it's going to be a. Um, I think it'd be a tough game to be fair. Um, you know, wouldn't you say that we play Accrington, but of course they gave us the game there last season. You know, we were we went up to it last season really at their place in lockdown. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're a bit more prepared for it this year. They've certainly got better quality players than last year to do so. Um, and yeah, hopefully we get a result. Um, and you know, if we do get a result, then we transition into the game on Tuesday night, the big one with. You know, hopefully, a bit of momentum that'd be nice to have for once. Um, Joe, I believe uh, you've got some some stats for our opponents for Tuesday night. So, uh, yeah, take us through those. Yes, so uh, a big game coming up on on Tuesday night against AFC Wimbledon. Um, they're yeah, they're a funny old team because they started off the season really, really well, and they're just sort of just tailing away a little bit. Um, but they they've um, they are currently sat uh, in towards the bottom of League One in uh, in eighteenth place, just three points above the relegation zone. Oh, shame! 
Um, uh, they've played, but they do have a couple of games in hand, though, just to point out. Um, they've scored 30 goals in 21 games, but they've also conceded 35. And I think one of the key features of when uh, they were at the start of the season was a lot of their games were like three twos, four threes, things like that. So they certainly got a goal in them, but you know they're, they're certainly quite porous at the back too. Um, so yeah, I think with them, they've they've got a couple of young players which I think are really, really some good, uh, really, really quite good. Um, particularly for me is um, Anthony Hartigan. He's he's uh, you know I think I, I think he might be the captain. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Um, but he sits at that base of midfield and he just dictates the play really well. He breaks at play too, but he's also, you know, got an eye for a pass. Um, and then Jack Rodoni as well, just a quick mention on him. He can play pretty much anywhere behind the striker and he just has a, a knack of getting shots off and getting on the end of things, whether it be on the edge of the box or, or you know, running in at the far post for a header, things like that. So I think when you've got midfielders that can do that, it's really, really quite good. Like, you know, we've seen it with Matt O'Reilly this season. Him arriving late into the box has been something that's been really quite um, quite important for us. So, yeah, I think, they're, you know, in terms of they're not really up there in terms of shots on target per game or chances created, um, but they, they have been actually converting quite a few of their chances. So maybe that's why we've seen recently uh, they're maybe not getting as lucky with their converting of chances, which might, might explain why they are dropping down the table a little bit. Um, they've only kept two clean sheets all season. So again, just to reiterate, uh, I think only one team in the league's worse, and that team is uh, Lincoln City. So uh, if we get another three goals on Tuesday, like we did get against Lincoln, I would definitely take that. Um, and then, yeah, so... They do like to get stuck in. They're very much a team where, you know, I think Mark Robinson, he has done a great job there, to be quite honest with you, from where he's taken them. And, you know, they are certainly becoming a bit more progressive in the way they do things. I think they've actually got a, a substitutions coach. They they do you know, the set-piece coach. So they will be quite innovative with how they do things. And they've got a ridiculous amount of goals late on in the game. So, um Overall, a team that I think we should be beating and I'd absolutely love to beat. However, they do have a few dangerous uh, dangerous uh, weapons in, in their in their armoury. Yeah, I was looking at some, um, basically for set piece, I was looking at their like, set piece data. And yeah, they're actually, they're overachieving massively. So they've scored 11 goals for set pieces this season. They're only actually, from, from set piece XG, they've only got 8.7 XG, so... You know, that, that just shows you how good they are from set pieces. You know, the coaching they've got there, you know, not necessarily create the best chances from them, but the fact that it's going to the back of the net shows that it's working. Um, and I suppose it, overall, to be fair, they're, they're probably due to score some goals. They can see less, which is a bit worrying. Um, yeah, from open play this season, they've they've created a 16.4 worth of goals through XG uh, this season, but only scored 15. Uh, and then when you go to the against column, um, they've only conceded uh, XG worth 18.9 from open play this season, but exceeded 23. So, you know, those those two stats um, uh, alongside, you know, Joe's talking about the progressive play that Robertson's trying to introduce there, it it does give you a little bit of worry um, in terms of, you know, the da- data sort of backs up how the team's trying to play. And as, you know, the few times of plays that they do have, 
you know, they're, they're down the bottom of the league, but I think, and, and annoyingly, there's a chance that they could climb up it a little bit. Um, Ross, anything to add uh, on AS Wimbledon, or you're not too bothered? Well, I'm 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 not going to big up uh, a lot of their players. Let's just say that. Um, but no, they've got Ollie Palmer. I remember him because um, he used to play for Crawley, I believe. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, to, um, a few years back, and. I believe he done really well back in League Two. Um, for some reason, I don't know why. I remember it, um, but he—I I believe he is a prolific um, goal scorer. Um, and yeah, he stepped up a level to League One, and um, he's probably not scoring as much as what he who, who would like. But um, he's still chipping in with the goals. And if um, AFC are to stay at this season, they obviously would be relying on him to uh, put the goals in the back of the net. But I know it's not about AFC. I just I just hope we turn up. I, I don't want to see a toothless, spineless performance, especially against these lot. And yeah, that that's all it needs to be really to be say, said. Sorry. Yeah, no, no matter how bad we've played, from season to season, we've always beat this lot at home. So, you know, if if we don't beat them, then you know it, it's it's worrying times because usually, usually it's it's three points. Um, but you know who knows it's league one anything can happen anything can happen Um, no it won't happen (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not but you know well we'll see we'll see Um, boys we're bothering the lineups because obviously you know who knows what's going to happen in terms of potential signings or you know players out the door whatever we'll get into that on Friday's episode we'll get straight into score predictions Um, Ross give me both your score predictions for Accrington and AFC at Iowa on Tuesday. So, yeah, first of all, I, I do feel like um, Saturday will be a tough tough trip um, to the Wham Stadium. Um, I believe in the last three games, they've kept um, clean sheets. So uh, they're, they're going to have a tough back line to break down, and I, I do feel like we'll struggle. Um, but I've gone I've gone with us edging on, um, three points on the road, and I've gone with 1-0. And then on Tuesday, I do feel like if we win against Accrington, a bit of momentum, um, it'll be good in the camp. I'm not saying it isn't now, but I think I do believe, obviously, Gilles wasn't great. I do feel some players probably get a bit asked about it, which I want. I, I, I do want that. Um, and, yeah, if, if all goes uh, playing sailing on Saturday, I do believe we'll dispatch AFC Wimbledon um, with ease in my eyes, especially at home. I feel Twine and O'Reilly, um, with their quality in in our midfield, I, I do be, believe we can break down um, AFC's side with ease. And I've gone with a 3-1 at home. I like it. Six points out of six. Can't have much more than that. Um, I've already given my Accrington score um, for the media team over there. So I, I went I went 2-0 uh, to MK Dodds. Um, I do think it'll be a tough game, but as Ross said, you know, need a, need a reaction, quite frankly. And I'm hoping that the boys with a few training sessions under their belts will actually give us that. Um, and yeah, if you want to catch, you know, my thoughts on it uh, and our thoughts on it also, it'll be in the matchday programme for Saturday. So there you go. Make sure you grab that. Um, and yeah, Tuesday, um, fairly similar thoughts of Ross, to be fair. Uh, I, I like to think that that performance will drive us into Tuesday night with a bit of momentum. Um, obviously, we'll have the Don's action, guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they've come up for for um, a Tuesday night. It's going to be hopefully a good night in Block 11. Uh, hopefully, Mars better than Gillingham. 
Um, and yeah, I've I've also gone I've gone for two back to back two nils. Uh, I think we'll, I think our quality will eventually get through uh, the ASE um, back line, and yeah, we'll score twice to win the game. So, uh, Joe, me and me and Ross reckon it's gonna be six points out of six. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I've gone for four. I'm afraid. Oh, uh, not quite as positive view as you guys. I was having a little look at the last few games that Accrington have had at home. And they beat Rotherham one 0 and they beat Bolton one 0 and I think, I think we'll score, um, but I do think that Accrington will have a goal in them as well. Especially you know that their crowd, you know it's a good good little crowd. It's not the biggest in numbers, but they do get behind them at Accrington. And you know, I hate the cliche, but it is a tough place to go, as you've uh, said before, Liam. So I'm going one all uh, for the game in Accrington. Um, also, they haven't actually played since boxing uh, since the 29th of December. They didn't have a yeah. game on New Year's Day, so they may they may be just that extra bit uh, fresher. Um, although you know it could you could spin it on it on its head and say, well, we've been playing you know regularly since then. Um, we've had two games since uh, the 29th, and uh, you know so you could say that actually we we we're in the swing of things, and it could be a good thing for us. Um, in terms of AFC, I think you know I don't think they are going to just sit back like I mean, maybe Gillingham or Atkinson would. I think they are going to try and come for us, and for that reason, I think that we're going to get a bit of joy in behind. Um, so, but I do think as well that they might have a bit of joy from a set piece or a counter attack. So I'm going three uh, one along with Ross for that game. Like it, like it. I mean, too fair. After the week we've had, I think anyone would take four points right now. Um... So, yeah, I, I really can't complain with that. Okay, long episode. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, we're back weekly now. Well, for, well, fingers crossed we are anyway. We should be. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting back, back into it. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this listen. As said, we'll be back Friday with our transfer thoughts. Um, so, yeah, until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.